Hello, my friends, and welcome to the Deeper Daily Podcast for the 14th day of February. I'm Paul White. Thanks for joining me today, and happy Valentine's Day. However you celebrate that day, or with whomever you celebrate that day, I hope you have a great day. We are in Mark chapter 3, continuing our journey through the Gospel of Mark. And we're about halfway through this chapter, beginning today in verse 20. Jesus, will, who went into a house at the end of 19 can't really escape the crowds because the the verse says the multitude came together again so that they could not so much as eat bread. And Mark's, again, doing this on purpose, showing this frenetic style. Jesus has stolen away to a mountain in the previous passage. He chose 12 disciples to be in his inner circle out of the many who were following him. They go into a house, but the crowds won't leave him alone. Verse 21 constitutes a very, and I'm not exaggerating my own interest in this, I think is a very fascinating look at the psychology of the day in regards to Jesus. And that is not a phrase anyone would have understood, I realize. But it doesn't mean that there there are not things happening beneath the surface. This is a telling verse as to the way Jesus was perceived in his day by the people who knew him. Verse 21, but when his own people heard about this, they went out to lay hold of him, for they said, he is out of his mind. Now, you can see why I find that fascinating. Here's Jesus' own people. We are to assume the phrase, his own people, which is also translated sometimes as his family, although that's just an interpretation. It's not necessarily a translation. Um, It's probably the same as his brothers and his mothers in verse 31, which is coming up. So let's assume his own people are at least in the close sphere of mothers and brothers that are coming up later in the chapter. So these are those who know Jesus. They are his people. When they hear what's going on, They think he's out of his mind. And that's a phrase that is not only an expression of unbelief, but an expression by those who humanly were closest to him. So the Jesus they see healing, speaking, moving about is not necessarily the Jesus they knew. And I don't mean that some sort of switch flipped in Jesus or that he's bipolar. (laughs) But I think it's important to understand that when Jesus goes into those waters of baptism and receives that mandate from his father, this is my beloved son whom I am well pleased. You are my beloved son whom I am well pleased. And then he goes out having begun the work of fulfilling all righteousness He goes into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. He faces every dark temptation you can and then comes into the world to begin his ministry. He is a different guy than before he went in. I don't mean he was a sinner who got saved. I mean, he was a man living in Nazareth, living a Jewish male lifestyle of the first century. And then... He stepped into the anointing, the call. And as that, 
he didn't look like what they had known. At least that's the evidence because their phrase is he's out of his mind. We don't know this guy. This is nuts. This isn't who we grew up knowing. And so for whatever they mean by that, what's undeniable is that the Jesus they saw in the middle of Mark 3 is not the Jesus that they were raised with. And we got a huge gap in Jesus' life. I mean, we, we see Jesus up till he's about two years old, and then he disappears from a, for a decade, and he resurfaces one time at age 12, which would have been about bar mitzvah age. Sort of he's moving into manhood, where he I'm about my father's business. And then nothing until he's about 30. It's like this 18 years of silence. And the Jesus that's in that 18 years is being formed. He's learning. In fact, the Bible says he grew in favor with God and man. So he's growing even in his own awareness of his father and who he is and his place in this world. And I think when you step into your destiny, when you get into that place where you're doing what you're supposed to do, what you're born to do, there's a chance that the people that knew you before that are going to, I don't know if they'll say you're out of your mind, but they might think it. You're not who you used to be. You don't act like you used to act. You don't think the way you used to think. And it doesn't necessarily mean you used to sin, but now you don't. We're so quick to go there. It just means... You've become something else. You've become someone whose eyes are on some sort of prize. You, you press towards it. Um, I think if you had known Saul and then you knew Paul, and I know they're the same guy in body, but they're not the same guy in spirit. Had you known Saul and then you knew Paul, you would have said Paul's out of his mind. In fact, Paul was accused of that in the book of Acts. Much learning doth make you mad, he was once accused of. Much learning has made you insane. You are nuts. And that's, and I don't mean that, I certainly don't mean to indicate that if you're doing this right, people think you're crazy. I just want to give you a little soft cushion to land on if you have completely sold yourself to whatever it is you are doing. And those around you think, man, you're not who you used to be. Well, that's okay. Maybe you're not supposed to be who you used to be because who you used to be couldn't do what you're doing. It doesn't necessarily mean something's wrong. He's out of his mind. Tomorrow, I want to get into what the scribes accuse him. And the scribes are guys who are supposed to know the quote-unquote Hebrew Scripture. So we're going to dig into that Hebrew scripture a little bit tomorrow to try and justify why they accuse Jesus of having what they call Beelzebub. What does that mean? Why do they say that? And what did that indicate by what they were seeing out of Jesus? And we'll do that from Mark 3.22 on tomorrow's podcast. Have a great day. God bless.